0: Volume 2, Chapter 3 of Rob Roy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rob Roy, by Sir Walter Scott. Volume 2, Chapter 3rd. It strikes an awe and terror on my aching sight. The tombs and monumental caves of death look cold and shoot a chillness to the trembling heart. Morning BRIDE Notwithstanding the impatience of my conductor, I could not forbear to pause and gaze for some minutes on the exterior of the building, rendered more impressively dignified by the solitude which ensued when its hitherto open gates were closed. After having, as it were, devoured the multitude which had lately crowded the churchyard, but now, enclosed within the building, were engaged, as the choral swell of voices from within announced to us in the solemn exercises of devotion the sound of so many voices united by the distance into one harmony and freed from those harsh discordances which jar the ear when heard more near combining with the murmuring brook and the wind which sung among the old firs affected me with a sense of sublimity all nature as invoked by the psalmists whose verses they chanted seemed united in offering that solemn praise in which trembling is mixed with joy as she addressed her maker i had heard the service of high mass in france celebrated with all the eclat which the choicest music the richest dresses the most imposing ceremonies could confer on it yet it fell short in effect of the simplicity of the presbyterian worship the devotion in which every one took a share seemed so superior to that which was recited by musicians as a lesson which they had learned by rote that it gave the scottish worship all the advantage of reality over acting as i lingered to catch more of the solemn sound andrew whose impatience became ungovernable pulled me by the sleeve come away sir come away we mono be late or gone in to disturb the worship if we bide here the searchers will be on us and carry us to the guard-house for being idlers in time. thus admonished i followed my guide but not as i had supposed into the body of the cathedral this gate this gate sir he exclaimed dragging me off as i made towards the main entrance of the building there's but a kaldreif law-work gone on yonder carnal morality as dowed and as fusionless as rue leaves at Yule. Here's the real savor of doctrine. So saying, we entered a small, low-arched door, secured by a wicket, which a grave-looking person seemed on the point of closing, and descended several steps as if into the funeral vaults beneath the church. It was even so, for in these subterranean precincts, why chosen for such a purpose I knew not, was established a very singular place of worship. Conceive, Tresham, an extensive range of low browed, dark and twilight vaults, such as are used for sepulchres in other countries, and had long been dedicated to the same purpose in this, a portion of which was seated with pews, and used as a church. The part of the vaults thus occupied, though capable of containing a congregation of many hundreds, bore a small proportion to the darker and more extensive caverns which yawned around what may be termed the inhabited space in those waste regions of oblivion dusky banners and tattered escutcheons indicated the graves of those who were once doubtless princes in israel inscriptions which could only be read by the painful antiquary in language as obsolete as the act of devotional charity which they employed invited the passengers to pray for the souls of those whose bodies rested beneath Surrounded by these receptacles of the last remains of mortality, I found a numerous congregation engaged in the act of prayer. The Scots perform this duty in a standing instead of a kneeling posture, more, perhaps, to take as broad a distinction as possible from the ritual of Rome than for any better reason. Since I have observed that in their family worship, as doubtless in their private devotions, they adopt in their immediate address to the deity, that posture which other christians use as the humblest and most reverential standing therefore the men being uncovered a crowd of several hundreds of both sexes and all ages listened with great reverence and attention to the extempore at least the unwritten prayer of an aged clergyman who was very popular in the city footnote i have in vain labored to discover this gentleman's name and the period of his incumbency i do not however despair to see these points with some others which may elude my sagacity satisfactorily elucidated by one or other of the periodical publications which have devoted their pages to explanatory commentaries on my former volumes and whose research and ingenuity claim my peculiar gratitude for having discovered many persons and circumstances connected with my narratives of which i myself never so much as dreamed End footnote educated in the same religious persuasion i seriously bent my mind to join in the devotion of the day and it was not till the congregation resumed their seats that my attention was diverted to the consideration of the appearance of all around me at the conclusion of the prayer most of the men put on their hats or bonnets and all who had the happiness to have seats sat down andrew and i were not of this number having been too late of entering the church to secure such accommodation we stood among a number of other persons in the same situation forming a sort of ring around the seated part of the congregation behind and around us were the vaults i have already described before us the devout audience dimly shown by the light which streamed on their faces through one or two low gothic windows such as give air and light to charnel houses by this were seen the usual variety of countenances which are generally turned towards a scotch pastor on such occasions almost all composed to attention unless where a father or mother here and there recalls the wandering eyes of a lively child or disturbs the slumbers of a dull one the high-boned and harsh countenance of the nation with the expression of intelligence and shrewdness which it frequently exhibits is seen to more advantage in the act of devotion or in the ranks of war than on lighter and more cheerful occasions of assemblage the discourse of the preacher was well qualified to call forth the various feelings and faculties of his audience age and infirmities had impaired the powers of a voice originally strong and sonorous he read his text with a pronunciation somewhat inarticulate but when he closed the bible and commenced his sermon his tones gradually strengthened as he entered with vehemence into the arguments which he maintained they related chiefly to the abstract points of the christian faith subjects grave deep and fathomless by mere human reason but for which with equal ingenuity and propriety he sought a key in liberal quotations from the inspired writings my mind was unprepared to coincide in all his reasoning nor was i sure that in some instances I rightly comprehended his positions. But nothing could be more impressive than the eager, enthusiastic manner of the good old man, and nothing more ingenious than his mode of reasoning. The Scotch, it is well known, are more remarkable for the exercise of their intellectual powers than for the keenness of their feelings. They are, therefore, more moved by logic than by rhetoric, and more attracted by acute and argumentative reasoning on doctrinal points. Than influenced by the enthusiastic appeals to the heart and to the passions by which popular preachers in other countries win the favor of their hearers. Among the attentive group which I now saw might be distinguished various expressions similar to those of the audience in the famous cartoon of Paul preaching at Athens. Here sat a zealous and intelligent Calvinist with brows bent just as much as to indicate profound attention, lips slightly compressed eyes fixed on the minister with an expression of decent pride as if sharing the triumph of his argument the forefinger of the right hand touching successively those of the left as the preacher from argument to argument ascended towards his conclusion another with fiercer and sterner look intimated at once his contempt of all who doubted the creed of his pastor and his joy at the appropriate punishment denounced against them a third perhaps belonging to a different congregation and present only by accident or curiosity had the appearance of internally impeaching some link of the reasoning and you might plainly read in the slight motion of his head his doubts as to the soundness of the preacher's argument the greater part listened with a calm satisfied countenance expressive of a conscious merit in being present and in listening to such an ingenious discourse Although perhaps unable entirely to comprehend it, the women in general belonged to this last division of the audience. The old, however, seeming more grimly intent upon the abstract doctrines laid before them, while the younger females permitted their eyes occasionally to make a modest circuit around the congregation. And some of them, Tresham, if my vanity did not greatly deceive me, contrived to distinguish your friend and servant as a handsome young stranger and an Englishman as to the rest of the congregation the stupid gaped yawned or slept till awakened by the application of their more zealous neighbors heels to their shins and the idle indicated their inattention by the wandering of their eyes but dared give no more decided token of weariness amid the lowland costume of coat and cloak i could here and there discern a highland plaid the wearer of which resting on his basket hilt sent his eyes among the audience with the unrestrained curiosity of savage wonder and who in all probability was inattentive to the sermon for a very pardonable reason because he did not understand the language in which it was delivered the martial and wild look however of these stragglers added a kind of character which the congregation could not have exhibited without them they were more numerous andrew afterwards observed owing to some cattle fair in the neighborhood such was the group of countenances rising tier on tier discovered to my critical inspection by such sunbeams as forced their way through the narrow gothic lattices of the lay kirk of glasgow and having illuminated the attentive congregation lost themselves in the vacuity of the vaults behind giving to the nearer part of their labyrinth a sort of imperfect twilight and leaving their recesses in an utter darkness which gave them the appearance of being interminable i have already said that i stood with others in the exterior circle with my face to the preacher and my back to those vaults which i have so often mentioned my position rendered me particularly obnoxious to any interruption which arose from any slight noise occurring amongst these retiring arches where the least sound was multiplied by a thousand echoes the occasional sound of raindrops which admitted through some cranny in the ruined roof fell successively and splashed upon the pavement beneath caused me to turn my head more than once to the place from whence it seemed to proceed and when my eyes took that direction i found it difficult to withdraw them such is the pleasure our imagination receives from the attempt to penetrate as far as possible into an intricate labyrinth imperfectly lighted and exhibiting objects which irritate our curiosity only because they acquire a mysterious interest from being undefined and dubious my eyes became habituated to the gloomy atmosphere to which i directed them and insensibly my mind became more interested in their discoveries than in the metaphysical subtleties which the preacher was enforcing my father had often checked me for this wandering mood of mind arising perhaps from an excitability of imagination to which he was a stranger and the finding myself at present solicited by these temptations to inattention recalled the time when i used to walk led by his hand to mr shower's chapel and the earnest injunctions which he then laid on me to redeem the time because the days were evil at present the picture which my thoughts suggested far from fixing my attention destroyed the portion i had yet left by conjuring up to my recollection the peril in which his affairs now stood I endeavored, in the lowest whisper I could frame, to request Andrew to obtain information whether any of the gentlemen of the firm of McVitie and Company were at present in the congregation. But Andrew, wrapped in profound attention to the sermon, only replied to my suggestion by hard punches with his elbow, as signals to me to remain silent. I next strained my eyes, with equally bad success, to see if, among the sea of upturned faces. Which bent their eyes on the pulpit as a common centre, I could discover the sober and business like physiognomy of Owen. But not among the broad beavers of the Glasgow citizens, or the yet broader brimmed lowland bonnets of the peasants of Lanarkshire, could I see anything resembling the decent periwig, starched ruffles, or the uniform suit of light brown garments appertaining to the head clerk of the establishment of Osbaldistone and Tresham my anxiety now returned on me with such violence as to overpower not only the novelty of the scene around me by which it had hitherto been diverted but moreover my sense of decorum i pulled andrew hard by the sleeve and intimated my wish to leave the church and pursue my investigation as i could andrew obdurate in the lay kirk of glasgow as on the mountains of cheviot for some time deigned me no answer and it was only when he found i could not otherwise be kept quiet that he condescended to inform me that being once in the church we could not leave it till service was over because the doors were locked so soon as the prayers began having thus spoken in a brief and peevish whisper andrew again assumed the air of intelligent and critical importance and attention to the preacher's discourse while i endeavored to make a virtue of necessity and recall my attention to the sermon, I was again disturbed by a singular interruption. A voice from behind whispered distinctly in my ear, You are in danger in this city. I turned round as if mechanically. One or two starched and ordinary looking mechanics stood beside and behind me, stragglers who, like ourselves, had been too late in obtaining entrance. But a glance at their faces satisfied me though i could hardly say why that none of these was the person who had spoken to me their countenances seemed all composed to attention to the sermon and not one of them returned any glance of intelligence to the inquisitive and startled look with which i surveyed them a massive round pillar which was close behind us might have concealed the speaker the instant he uttered his mysterious caution but wherefore it was given in such a place or to what species of danger it directed my attention, or by whom the warning was uttered, were points on which my imagination lost itself in conjecture. It would, however, I concluded, be repeated, and I resolved to keep my countenance turned towards the clergyman that the whisperer might be tempted to renew his communication under the idea that the first had passed unobserved. My plan succeeded. I had not resumed the appearance of attention to the preacher for five minutes when the same voice whispered, Listen, but do not look back. I kept my face in the same direction. You are in danger in this place, the voice proceeded. So am I. Meet me to night on the brig at twelve precisely. Keep at home till the gloaming and avoid observation. Here the voice ceased, and I instantly turned my head. But the speaker had with still greater promptitude glided behind the pillar and escaped my observation i was determined to catch a sight of him if possible and extricating myself from the outer circle of hearers i also stepped behind the column all there was empty and i could only see a figure wrapped in a mantle whether a lowland cloak or highland plaid i could not distinguish which traversed like a phantom the dreary vacuity of vaults which i have described i made a mechanical attempt to pursue the mysterious form which glided away and vanished in the vaulted cemetery like the spectre of one of the numerous dead who rested within its precincts i had little chance of arresting the course of one obviously determined not to be spoken with but that little chance was lost by my stumbling and falling before i had made three steps from the column the obscurity which occasioned my misfortune covered my disgrace which i accounted rather lucky for the preacher with that stern authority which the scottish ministers assume for the purpose of keeping order in their congregations interrupted his discourse to desire the proper officer to take into custody the causer of this disturbance in the place of worship as the noise however was not repeated the beadle, or whatever else he was called did not think it necessary to be rigorous in searching out the offender, so that I was enabled, without attracting farther observation, to place myself by Andrew's side in my original position. The service proceeded and closed without the occurrence of anything else worthy of notice. As the congregation departed and dispersed, my friend Andrew exclaimed, See, si, yonder is worthy Mr. McVitie and Mrs. McVitie and Miss Allison McVitie. And Mr. Thomas McFinn, that they say is to marry Miss Allison, if a bull's row right, she'll hae a siller, if she's no that bonny. My eyes took the direction he pointed out. Mr. McVitie was a tall, thin, elderly man, with hard features, thick gray eyebrows, light eyes, and, as I imagined, a sinister expression of countenance, from which my heart recoiled. I remembered the warning i had received in the church and hesitated to address this person though i could not allege to myself any rational ground of dislike or suspicion i was yet in suspense when andrew who mistook my hesitation for bashfulness proceeded to exhort me to lay it aside speak till him speak till him mr francis he's no provost yet though they say he'll be my lord next year speak till him then He'll give a decent answer for as rich as he is unless ye were wantin siller frae him they say he's dower to draw his purse it immediately occurred to me that if this merchant were really of the churlish and avaricious disposition which andrew intimated there might be some caution necessary in making myself known as i could not tell how accounts might stand between my father and him this consideration came in aid of the mysterious hint which i had received and the dislike which i had conceived at the man's countenance instead of addressing myself directly to him as i had designed to have done i contented myself with desiring andrew to inquire at mr McVitie's house the address of mr owen an english gentleman and i charged him not to mention the person from whom he received the commission but to bring me the result to the small inn where we lodged this andrew promised to do he said something of the duty of my attending the evening service, but added with a causticity natural to him, that, in troth, if folk couldna keep their legs still, but what needs to be cooping the creels o'er through stains, as if they would raise the very dead folk with the clatter, a kirk with a chimney in it was fittest for them. End of Volume 2. Chapter 3.